The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out of this. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. Put it in the box. In the history box. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode two of the Mets Baseball Carnival. I'm your host, Zach Braff. You can follow me on Twitter, at BraffZ. And I am joined once again by my co-host tonight, Joe Fesco. You can find him on Twitter, at Joseph Fesco. Joe, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, doing all, I'm doing all right. This is just the past couple, the past week or so, just watching this team play has just been extremely frustrating. Um, they're really proving us right when we named our podcast uh, the Mets Baseball Carnival, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's just been a very weird, uh, weird couple of days, weird week. The the team they're really just not playing very well right now. But I think the first thing that we want to touch on tonight is um, the news regarding the Yoenis Cespedes opt out. Um, what what a whirlwind of a Sunday! That was um, reports were that Cespedes uh, was just getting a routine day off, and then we find out during the game that uh, the GM Brody Van Wagenen issued a statement, and I'll read it uh, word for word here. It said, "As of game time, Juanes Cespedes has not reported to the ballpark today. He did not reach out to management with any explanation for his absence. Our attempts to contact him have been unsuccessful." I'm sorry, but if you're hearing that or reading that during the game as a fan, you're like, what the hell is going on? I'm sorry, but you can't put out a statement like that. You have the whole fan base who are just alarmed now. Like they could, Everybody was thinking that something was seriously wrong with this guy. Uh, I just think it was a very poor choice of words, a very poor PR attempt by the Mets, which they're very known for uh, with the, the handling of the Matt Harvey situation a few years ago when he was having all those um, mental issues with his girlfriend and whatever what the hell was going on with him between all the injuries, just the way they handled that. Like this was just handled so poorly. Uh, I mean, a- am I in the wrong here or is this just ridiculous, Joe? No, I, I think you, you hit the nail right on the head. It's uh, I don't know what the front office was doing. Uh, Brody Wagonen was Van Wagonen was clearly the the conduit to deliver the message, um, but uh, yeah, I, to release that statement at the beginning of uh, the game on Sunday, it was it just felt very un un uh, unjust, so to speak. Um, yeah, and they claimed they claimed that they were not aware of any of this before the game, which I find to be complete BS. Uh, there were reports that Cespedes confided in some teammates, uh, maybe some staff, the night before. Uh, so I guess Saturday night after the game, which was a, a tough loss, again, for them. And Cespedes has not been playing well at all. Like, I don't know if his frustrations were boiling over, but the Mets are claiming that this was a COVID-related opt-out, which I am completely fine with. Like, I completely understand worrying about your health, your family's health, and opting out for this season. That's completely fine, especially with everything going on with the Marlins and the Cardinals right now. But you mean to tell me that you're going to opt out and say it's COVID-related issues, and then you're spotted at the freaking mall after the game on Sunday and taking pictures with fans right on top of you? How? What is that? What is that all about? Please tell me. I, I just... 
It makes no sense. I don't have an answer for you, bud. Um, I want answers, Joe. <laughs> I think we all do as a fan base. Uh, I I spent Sunday on the beach, completely MIA from what was taking place. And I got back to my, my phone late in the day to phone calls from you, text messages from the rest of our buddies. And I had absolutely no idea what was going on. So... Uh, I'm, I'm still searching for those those same answers that you're looking for and the rest of the fan base is looking for. But when I saw today that he was spotted taking a photo inside the mall uh, somewhere near the stadium, uh, it, I, I mean, it was unbelievable. His arms were literally around two other dudes, like right on top of them taking a picture. <laughs> I don't care if you're wearing a mask, but you're touching other people and you're claiming you're opting out based on COVID concerns. Get the heck out of here. Like, come yeah. on. I, there, there is, there are reports that his mother is uh, an at-risk individual, and and that's what was really driving some of his decision making to opt out, given the current revelations around the league with the Marlins and and right now with the Cardinals, with uh, with outbreaks within both of those teams. I mean, that's completely valid, but then don't be on top of other people if it's really a concern to you. You have no idea where those other people have been. I don't care if they just want a picture or an autograph. Like, come on. That's a valid and, and then there was, uh, I think it was pregame interviews today, uh, on Monday, with, with Brandon Nimmo, and he seemed to kind of just question the whole thing as well. Uh, he was questioning Cespedes' motives and management, and he, he didn't know who was, was telling the truth, and it's it's interesting to hear Brandon Nimmo kind of say that. I mean, Brandon Nimmo always kind of seems like the voice of reason, pretty honest dude. Like, he genuinely seemed confused by this whole situation. And I think he kind of is all the – he's all the fans right now. We're all confused by this situation. And then after the press conference on Sunday, after the game when they did the press conference, I mean, Luis Rojas is sitting there. He, he seemed completely fine with the decision. Like, he doesn't seem bothered by it at, at all. Like, you mean to tell me Cespedes doesn't notify you of any of any of this and, and you're not upset by one of your star players, quote-unquote, um, opting out and not telling you? Like, what kind of teammate does that? And I, I just don't understand the thought process behind Cespedes or the Mets brass with any of this. It just it really bothers me and it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, in that situation, Rojas is put in a really tough spot, especially with the release of the of the press um, the press release by the front office, and then uh, Van Wagenen talking about this suspicious situation. There's nothing Rojas can do right there. I think he has to defend his employer, but also save face uh, for the player and, and the rest of the team. So, yeah, this just kind of goes back to the point that we've mentioned before where it almost just feels like Rojas is a puppet of of Brody Van Wagenen and, and the Mets brass and uh, I don't know I just didn't love the way that he handled this whole thing either if this was like Joe Girardi or another like old school manager I feel like they would have just been livid with the situation just the way that it was handled but we'll never know um this most likely ends Cespedes's career as a Met and I'm curious if he's gonna make any public statement I mean his name is kind of being dragged in the dirt here, too. I mean, I wonder if he's trying to save face and prepare his reputation after what just happened, especially if he's looking for a job next season. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's not the ending that I don't I don't think any of us really expected for Cespedes here. I mean, obviously, he came over in 2015, helped us get to the World Series. 
2016, he he was pretty good as well, but that's when he started battling injuries, and it's just been injuries ever since. So um, the end to a very interesting Mets tenure, and uh, I, I don't I don't think any of us were expecting this news on Sunday. It just kind of came out of nowhere. I seriously thought that Cespedes was like dropped out in his hotel room or something. Like the way that that press release came out like that they didn't check on him they hadn't heard from him at all like that's a red flag right there like something could have seriously been wrong and for all we know he's out shopping at the mall going to abercrombie and fitch or some nonsense just unbelievable yeah i I think we could have done without the last sentence in that press release i think the first couple of sentences would have been enough to hold over the fan base and the media until the end of the game when they could have addressed it, I think, in a more professional manner. But I, I do think Cespedes will make a statement. As you mentioned, his name is being dragged through the mud here. He is definitely being made out to be the bad guy in this situation. And I think if the reports are true that he did notify the team and several teammates that he was going to opt out the night prior, then it's in his best interest to address it through the media. Yeah. Just handled very poorly, but Honestly, it's it's the Mets, and I'm not surprised by any of this. <laughs> I think simple. he comes back to the at the front office. It, it's a it's it's a top down type of culture, and yep. it the buck stops with the Wilpon family, specifically with Jeff Wilpon. Yeah, and it, it feels like it has his his fingerprints all over it. Yeah. Well. Enough talking about Cespedes because there's we're not going to be talking about him anymore this season. But while you just brought up the Wolfpons, uh, I'm just curious: are there any updates on on the sale of the team? Have you heard anything uh, the past couple of weeks here? Obviously, it's <clears throat> there's a lot going on with baseball actually being played now. But um, is there any news to any anything with the sale? No real new updates. They're still tracking for the end of October for a culmination to this process i did read a article uh in the post i believe they're talking about having final figures in by the end of august uh, which should allow for some some more due diligence on the part of the groups bidding to buy the team and it's it's still tracks for the end of october to have some type of, of uh, uh finality to the situation and they kind of got to the second round of interviews rather quickly. I mean, they seem to be moving faster than they initially expected, right? Yeah, I, that, that could be twofold. I, I think because uh, I think the Wilpons and uh, Allen and company knew exactly who the players were. And I think they had a really good feel about where these guys would be coming in with their initial bids. That moving to the second process, may, the second round was really probably meant to try to stir up some interest outside of the, the known players uh, to showcase that the process was moving swiftly to see if anyone else would, would jump in in a big way. Are J-Lo and A-Rod still in this thing, you think? <laughs> they're, they're still very much in it. There were some rumblings that there may have been some... Uh, some back and forth between uh, uh, A-Rod and J-Lo with the, I believe, the founder and owner of Vitamin Water. Mm. Right now, his name escapes me. Uh, right now, the A-Rod company, A-Rod side of things, 
is the lead investor and they would have uh, operational control from that standpoint. Uh, but I think the, there's some reports that they're not, they don't have the capital in order to be able to push this thing forward and they would need to have someone else raise more money or use more capital than them and they would end up taking over uh, control operationally. So what you're saying is instead of the Coca-Cola corner, it'll be the vitamin water corner now. <laughs> That's plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's called uh, the hey, Cohen right. corner, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on that um, in the coming weeks and months here. Uh, but let's let's talk about this team and the, fir the first two weeks of, of game action here of this 2020 season. I mean, who knows how long this season's actually going to continue on for. Um, before we get into the Mets, I guess, let's just let's just talk about the COVID stuff going on right now. I mean, the Marlins have missed a ton of action. They've missed like seven games, missed like all of last week. You got the Cardinals who just has tested positive with like at least 13 uh, combination of players and coaches and staff. So they're probably not going to be playing this week. Um, Friday, the earliest, it sounds like. Um, it's unknown, I guess, if any of the teams that they've previously played have been infected. It doesn't sound like the Phillies were affected by any of this when they played the Marlins. It doesn't sound like the Twins were affected when they were playing the Cardinals last week. So that's a good thing. But, I mean, Manfred was coming out and saying that if they don't get this in line, which, by the way, Manfred released the most selfish statement I've ever heard. He, Manfred's not a quitter, everybody, just in case anybody was wondering. Like, nobody cares if you're a quitter or not. This is not about you. You're sitting in your freaking office, just watching the games, taking notes, jotting down whatever you need to do, going to some meetings. And these guys are risking their lives traveling, going to games. Like, don't tell me you're, you're not a quitter. That statement pissed me off as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's completely isolated and away from the action on the field and inside the clubhouse and within the modes of transportation, to and from hotels, to and from stadiums in different cities. So, yeah, I mean, for him to, to put out that statement and really make it about him is very selfish. But he's threatening to shut down the season if things don't get better and the players need to take responsibility, which some of these players are being probably a little more reckless than they should be in these times right now. Um, hopefully these players can get their act together. I mean, obviously rumors of players going out to casinos or wing joints. <laughs> um, I mean, we're in a pandemic guys. Like you can't be doing this stuff. Like this is not a regular season, like stay in the hotel room, play some video games, order some room service and call it a night. <laughs> okay. Just uh, okay, we're, we're dealing with with young individuals, um, not only from an age perspective, but also a maturity perspective. And I believe some of these guys think that they're invincible. So I don't know if we have all the facts about uh, the how and why and, and when, but it, it shows that there is some gaps in the protocols. And some of these guys are just a little bit lax, apparently, and. And they're, and they're dealings away from the team and, and who they're interacting with. So hopefully MLB and the teams and players can really button things up in order for us to make it through 60, uh, a 60-game 60 season. But right now, it's, it's not looking promising. 
Yeah. I mean, like we said, the Cardinals and the Marlins were the two teams that had the outbreaks. I mean, if we can keep those two teams in line without any other teams really getting affected by this, uh, I think it looks promising for this season to continue. Uh, but who knows, man? Anything's possible. I mean, we've seen we've seen how fast this virus can spread. So yeah. hopefully we get to see baseball for 2020 here. But um, I don't know. Any day we could hear news that something happens. So... I know I've kind of been on edge with it. I'm sure many others have been as well. It's just, it's it's a weird season. I don't think we're we're used to anything like this. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. But that's kind of the outlook of the MLB right now. Uh, let's focus more on the Mets. That's what we do here. And the Mets have, plain and simple, looked pretty horrible <laughs> these past two weeks. They're... Uh, as we're recording this right now, their their record is three and seven. Um, it's looking likely that they'll get another win and be four and seven here with this Degrom start on Monday night. But the bullpen looks absolutely horrendous. The defense uh, looks like the typical Mets. We've already, I mean, in our first episode, we were talking about starting pitching and how it was actually pretty deep, and then. That just went down the you-know-what because David Peterson has since been called up. Steven Gonsalves has been DFA'd and traded. Tyler Bachelor has been traded. Um, Rick Porcello has looked horrible in two outings. Michael Waka had one solid outing, looked horrible in the other. And then one guy that we were both super excited for, Marcus Strobin, he doesn't even make his his first start because he tears a muscle in his calf. Like, what are the odds, huh? <laughs> I mean, for for this Mets team, I mean, the odds were pretty high that this, this was going to happen. But as you said, I mean, we were starting episode one of our podcast with high hopes for this for this rotation. Stroman goes down; they end up having to bring in. Peterson, who we were excited about at the start of the of the season, we were really hoping he was going to make the opening day roster. A little bit delayed, I think they they gave the nod to Corey Oswald, who at, I think at that time was the lowest hanging fruit and, and made the most sense from a service time standpoint and an option standpoint. But Peterson did make his first start in Boston. He pitched really well. He made a second start just a few nights ago and, and pitched well again. I, I do think that he has certainly pitched himself into the rotation when Stroman does make the return, when he is healthy. Uh, so that I, I think more to come there. But, Zach, who do you think the odd man out is if Stroman does come back healthy and Peterson is pitching himself into a spot in this rotation? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think Peterson is has pitched himself into that rotation. I don't see him giving that up anytime soon. But I think the two guys in question here are are Waka and Porcello. I mean, Porcello has not looked good at all. And I understand that he got a nice deal in the offseason. Uh, I think that might make it tough for management to agree to move him to the bullpen. Uh, I know Michael Waka was kind of the the sixth man when Syndergaard was healthy with the signing of Porcello and Waka. Um, so I think one of those two, I mean, depending, I mean, we don't know really exactly how long until Stroman is back. Uh, apparently he pitched a four inning simulated game on Friday, so it's possible he might be another week or two at least away. Um, I, I probably think they're going to 
go on the side of caution here, especially with Peterson pitching well, and they want to get their reps for Waka and Porcello. So uh, it's he's probably weeks away still, I think. But um, I think they really need to assess Waka and Porcello, um, and we'll see how they do these next few outings. I mean, these guys are still build, building up stamina here. I mean, they're not really going super deep into games just yet. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think those are the two guys that you're going to have to watch. I think Peterson, especially considering he's so young and he's controllable, I think they're going to want to keep him in the rotation for a little bit. So, But he, he has looked very good, David Peterson. Um, two quality outings. And he's topping out at like 95, which is is nice to see because he was kind of more of a low velo type of guy. But yeah, he just he looked really good out there, and it was pretty funny. We uh we put out a a tweet <laughs> to David Peterson just congratulating him on the call up, and and his mother, Mrs. Peterson, <laughs> yes. replied to. <laughs> she was all antsy waiting for the call because the Mets did what the Mets do. They just they wait to the last possible minute. I mean, everybody kind of knew that it was. A very good chance that Peterson was going to start that game on Tuesday, and they waited until like not too long before uh, the lineups were announced that they were officially calling him up. It was such a Mets thing, Met thing to do, but typical Mets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the the rotation has looked kind of iffy. But I think the biggest piece of this team that has looked very iffy has been the bullpen. Uh, we were talking in our first episode about how. On paper, this bullpen looked really good. Uh, we were hoping for a bounce back campaign from Edwin Diaz, and <laughs> can't say that. that uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's not looking so good right now. I mean, I, we were both saying that this guy really just doesn't seem cut out for New York, and I think we nailed it right on the head there. I mean, he just he can't pitch in New York with fans. He can't pitch in New York without fans. He can't pitch in New York with cardboard cutouts. Like, I'm sorry, but this guy just can't handle the pressure of being the closer for the New York Mets. Like, what what, what do we do with this closing situation? We have some pieces, but what do you think they, they turn to first here? I, you clearly cannot go back to, back to Diaz. Uh, he's proven that he cannot take the ball and get three outs in the ninth inning. I think right now you have to go with Familia. He seems to be having himself uh, a, a pretty decent first part of this season. Certainly better than Diaz. I've seen some of his his outings and his fastball. It looks good. His sinker looks really good. He's living at the bottom of the zone, and he's not missing a lot with his pitches. So, I think right now you have to go with Familia over Diaz until he proves otherwise. But with the way Diaz has pitched and the way he has let games get away from him, I wouldn't care if Familia blew the next ten games. I would still go back to Familia for the eleven. I just I can't mm-hmm. stomach I cannot stomach putting the ball in Diaz's hands in any type of situation outside of maybe mop up duty. But even then it would it would be like pulling teeth, I think, for Mets fans to watch him go out there. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be pulling teeth for sure, but I think at some point they're gonna go back to him and whether or not he can come through for us or not, who knows? But I mean, this is another move for management where management made the big deal to go and get him. I just don't think they're gonna let him become like a a middle inning guy, like he needs to be in a high leverage type role, closer type role. But if he's not performing, you got to get him out of there, especially in a sixty game season. There's no time to waste here. But um, the other guy, is Seth Lugo. I mean, Seth Lugo has converted. Um, he's converted one save so far. 
He's closed out another game. It was a non-save opportunity. He blew another save. Um, I mean, he's he's looked good, but he's also kind of looked a little shaky at times. And, I mean, with Lugo, obviously he can't go back-to-back days, so I don't think you can just kind of appoint him as the closer for this team, but do you see him maybe getting, like, one or two save opportunities a week if the Mets actually have a lead, which has been very rare at this point? I mean, do you think that Lugo will get an opportunity or two throughout the weeks here? Oh, without a doubt. He's proven he deserves that opportunity, uh, especially with Diaz pitching the way he has pitched. It certainly opens the door for really anyone to enter into that closing role. But Lugo has definitely earned the opportunity to go out there and and save a game if the Mets are in in the lead in the ninth inning. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's looked good so far. Not fantastic. He's looked good. I mean, it's a small sample size, but five innings. He's got a 3-6 ERA right now. Um, 0.8 whip. Another guy that's looked good in that bullpen, Drew Smith. Uh, three and two-thirds innings, 2-4-5 ERA, 0.5 whip. Um, they're both striking out. Um, plenty of guys over a K per nine per inning. They, they both look good in that bullpen. Um Diaz with his 5-4 ERA right now, whip over 1-8. Um, any other pitchers in this bullpen that kind of stand out to you from a, a stat standpoint here? I'm trying to find Dylan Batances here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want to find I'm scro- him. <laughs> I'm scrolling all the way to the bottom. I mean, only two innings, but he had that huge blow-up outing, which really hurt him. His yeah, velocity went down. About 15 and a half. Yeah, we're right around 15 and a half. I mean... Like I said, his velocity looked down a little bit. I mean, is there any concern for you with Batances, like coming back from the injury and just maybe not being back to full health yet? Yeah, I think there has to be concern. Uh, as you as you mentioned, his velocity is down. Small sample size, but his his performance on the mound has not been great. He is coming back from an injury that did keep him uh, off the off the field for a good duration of 2019. So. Uh, this guy is, is, I think you put him in the bucket as someone who's working their way back. Yeah, You would like to see him have some, some better success as he's doing that, especially with a bullpen that has clearly struggled. Our guys are not going nine. No one these days goes nine. And you have to go into your bullpen. And right now, Drew Smith has really been the only major highlight uh, of, of, our, of who we have in, in the bullpen right now. And not that I can say, or you can even say that we're surprised by it. We saw how well he pitched in spring, um, and actually summer camp. Pitched really well. We were really high on him, and he's got some really good stuff. So uh, his numbers are not surprising, and he's a guy that I can even see closing games if we get to that point, depending on how everyone else around him is doing. Yeah, I could definitely see him as a future closer. He definitely seems to have that closer's mentality, um, and especially with Diaz pitching the way he is right now i mean it wouldn't shock me uh, if he got maybe some higher leverage closing situations at some point this season but he's a little bit further down in the pecking order for for some of these guys but just some other guys to uh to note here paul seawald three and two thirds an era close to seven and a half i think paul seawald i don't think he makes it through this season as a Met. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he's uh, a DFA candidate. And the other guy, Corey Oswald, uh, four innings. He was on mop-up duty for quite a bit of those innings. He's become like the mop-up man. I'm sorry, but if you become the mop-up man, I don't think that's a good look for you. 
So Corey Oswald right now through four innings has an ERA over 11. Um, Oswald and Seawald, it's it's never a good sign to see either of those two in a ball game. (laughs) Usually means we're losing. It's it's not good. Yeah, I agree. And and with with Brody's quick finger to DFA, uh, starting pitching and then relief pitching as of late, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think it'll be too long before we see these guys off this roster. A nice little bright spot the other day was Franklin Killame, who they acquired in the Asdrubal Cabrera deal with the Phillies a few seasons ago. He looked pretty good. Um, he had Tommy John surgery, hasn't, hasn't pitched in over a year. So he looked good coming back. Uh, he could be an interesting bullpen piece. I know he was more of a starting pitcher, but... I could see him probably being a bullpen guy in the future, especially once one of those guys uh, gets DFA'd or traded or whatnot. So he's a name to watch. Um, Justin Wilson, he looked good for like one outing, and then he just blew up ERA over eight for three and a third innings. Um, yeah, this this bullpen, it's it's just not pretty right now. I mean, if, if you the, dig a little bit deeper into some of the some of the numbers, though, they're their fielding independent pitching has been better than what their ERA indicates. I think as a whole, the Mets rotation and bullpen have pitched uh, a run better based on fielding independent pitching than what the ERA is is really showing us. And I think that goes to the some of the, the defensive woes that this team has had. Uh, we've made six errors in 10 games near the top of the league from that standpoint. And... Um, from a, just from that standpoint, they're not helping their, their pitching. Led by Jeff McNeil, who really does not look good at their base right He now. does not look comfortable at all. Not one bit. No, he looks lost out there. He's tied for the league lead with four errors right now. Um, he was scratched before Monday's game. I don't know if it's serious or, or whatnot, um, but... Hopefully it's fine because I mean he's still hitting. He's uh he's batting like over three forty, yeah. and it seemed it seemed like he did kind of get off to a rough start. But I mean he's back to, to his normal ways of hitting right now. We haven't really seen the power come like we were maybe talking about. But I mean I'll take a three hundred plus average from Jeff McNeil. It would just be nice to maybe keep the defensive errors in check there. But like I said, he just he really kind of looks lost at third base. I think second base is more of a, the future home for him, uh, depending on what happens with Cano. Um, I don't even know if I want him in the outfield. I think second base really is his natural position. So we'll see what they do with, with McNeil. But um, the hottest hitter for this team right now is the guy that we were kind of bashing for a while, and that's Robbie Cano, who looks fantastic right now. By the way, I forgot to mention before, we were talking about ERA. Mets are 26th in the league in ERA with a team ERA of 5.25, by the way. I wanted to throw that out there. Um, but Robbie Cano right now is probably looking like one of the better hitters on this team. Uh, let's just kind of go through some of these hitters right now. Robbie Cano right now leading the team with uh, with a very nice-looking 4.12 batting average um, after not really getting many reps in summer camp. And everybody freaking out, including us, about batting third. But you know what? This is what we needed to see. We needed to see him hit. Like, you can't put him batting third when he hasn't been playing at all. Like, this is what we needed to see. And now he's earned his spot in moving up the order. So 
Robbie Cano definitely looks pretty good. Jeff McNeil, like I said, he's batting 343 and 35 at-bats. Any other standouts for you that have looked pretty good so far? Nick Conforto, he's batting really well. He's taking the ball up the left center field gap, which when he is right, that's where he's, he's putting the ball. I think entering into Monday, he was batting just under 300. So he's really starting to heat up. Uh, he's hitting lefties too. Yes. Which is huge. Which which he's always been able to, I, I think. And I think early part in his career, the Mets were not really giving him an opportunity to do that. They were really playing that lefty-righty game with Conforto, and I thought that was unfair in 2015 and 16. But he's proven that he can handle left-handed pitching, and he's a guy that needs to be in there every day. But like I said, he's he's hot right now. He's he's shooting the ball at the left left side of the of the field, which he's clearly locked in. So. It's really, it's really encouraging for us moving forward. Yeah, Conforto definitely looks good. Looks like a, a middle-of-the-order bat. And, yeah, I mean, he's hitting the lefties. He needs to be playing every day. Uh, enough of these shenanigans of benching him against lefties. Uh, J.D. Davis has looked, looked, looked pretty good at the plate. Um, two home runs so far. Um, he's probably... So with Cespedes opting out, I think J.D. Davis and Dom Smith are probably going to be the two major benefactors of playing time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how they align the defense, whether J.D. is left field or D.H. or Dom left field D.H. It would be nice to see Dom get some time at first base uh, just because he's he's a superior defender compared to Alonzo. Yeah. And right now, Alonzo, Alonzo looks absolutely lost at the plate. Like, what is going on? Is there anything that you've noticed from him? Uh, this is very frustrating for us to see, and I'm sure it's very frustrating for him as well. Yeah, he's still struggling with the breaking ball. Although he's being a little bit more patient. I think he showed that over the last couple of games. He's taken quite a, quite a few more walks than he did early on in the season. Um, and certainly at a greater uh, at a greater pace than he did last year so I, I think he's he's trying to be patient with himself you can see he's he's certainly frustrated he's I think he's taken some of his offensive woes into the into into the defense um there have been some there have been some plays at first where he just does not look like he is all that interested in picking the ball and playing his his position so but he's he's a young guy. He's become really the face of the franchise, the next eventual captain of this ball club, and he wants to perform well. And again, like I said, being a young guy, he's just he's just trying too much. I think once he starts to take a deep breath, things will kind of slow down for him. And it's encouraging that he's taking more pitches. He's getting on base via the walk. So we'll see what plays out over the next couple of games. Another name, Ahmed Rosario. We've we talked about the leadoff spot, and it seems like we were pretty spot on with uh, with Nimmo and Rosario being the two leadoff options, and they seem to kind of be flip flopping these two guys based on the opposing pitcher. It seems like Rosario is getting a lot more opportunities at the top of the order against lefties, and then Nimmo against righties. Um, I mean, Rosario, he's. He's looked all right. There's been some games where he's kind of sparked this offense, 
Um, but I mean, overall, the numbers aren't great so far, but it's just such a small sample size at this point to uh, to kind of go off of that. But Rosario actually left the game on Monday with a uh, with quad tightness. We'll see if that's a, a lingering issue. He could barely get down the first baseline. And then Robertson Cano, <laughs> he departed with left groin tightness. So um, I don't know, man. This just this really just sounds like the Mets baseball carnival here. This is exactly what we kind of expected. Uh, it's going to be all about this depth now. I mean, we're going to probably see a lot of Andres Jimenez. We're probably going to see more Luis Guillorme than we want to see. <laughs> yeah, and Brian Dozier is going to benefit too. He's going to be in the lineup more often now. So. Hopefully these yeah. guys aren't sidelined for any any serious uh, amount of time. Maybe a day yeah. or two. I mean, that, that's the hopefulness of it. With Cano, given his age, I, this could be something that really lingers for for some time. So, I'm curious if it does linger. If if there is a a shift in the positions, if if McNeil kind of shifts to second base, maybe a little bit more. And then you see J.D. Davis at third, or if they're really just going to try and keep McNeil strictly at third this season just to, because, I mean, bouncing him around could actually hurt him even more. I agree. I, I think with the emergence of Jimenez, I think he, he's got to play second base, right? I mean, he's batting over 300. He's really been a, a surprise spot this season. A guy who was clearly brought in for some depth and defense late in games has been given the chance to swing the bat a bit, and he's performing really, really well. So I, I think he's in that second base spot. Um, well, now even maybe even short with with Rosario going out, uh, we'll we'll see how long he's out for. But Jimenez is definitely going to get some more playing time, and he's earned it. We know who we will not be seeing, and that is Jed Lowry, who was moved to the forty five day IL. Another poor mishandling by Mets brass and. There was a tweet. I think it was from John Heyman, who basically called Jed Lowry the uh, the Cal Ripken of the DL of, of the IL. He said DL. He meant IL. But um, I, th- I kind of feel bad for Lowry. I mean, this is not how Lowry envisioned his Mets tenure going. Here, they diagnosed him with loose looseness of the PCL laxity, which is looseness of the PCL ligament. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody had to Google that when that news was announced and that probably set the record for Google search on PCL laxity, but definitely, I just, I don't think this is how Lowry envisioned. I, I mean, I actually really liked the Lowry signing when it happened because so we thought, yeah. we thought he was healthy, a versatile guy uh, who's, who came off a pretty good season with, uh, with Oakland, I think it was, but yeah, I mean, this is unfortunate. I mean, this would be the perfect situation for him to get in there and he's probably done for the season. I highly yeah. doubt he makes any impact this year he, he he profiles as a guy that you you would want to have on a championship team and we were excited as you mentioned we all thought it was a really good signing until the injury bug bit him and, and this kept him out um for this extended period of time but as you said this pco laxity was a tr- was i typed in just pc on google and it was the first option that came up i think it may have been trending on twitter um uh, this this team, I don't know uh, how they do it, but they come up with some of the most outrageous names for injuries. Um, <laughs> hand, and foot, hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is legitimate, <laughs> legitimate terminology. 
But I mean, this team when it that's comes like a, to that's like a that's like a children's disease. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, oh, that was that was Syndergaard who was diagnosed with that a couple years. Syndergaard back, right? had that. What other what other freak uh, injuries or well, obviously the wild boar incident. Yes. I don't think anybody believed that one. Um, <laughs> we've we, the Mets have had their fair share of just ridiculous injuries and yeah. just goofball things happen you think but, jeff wilpon gets to pick the name of the <laughs> of the injury and they get to release it or maybe or what? <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm convinced pcl laxity was made up <laughs> um but one of the one of the bright spots for this team has been Degrom. Uh, we were all kind of concerned with the back injury where he left the start before the season opened up but he's looked pretty good through three starts i mean monday night he had another strong out in six innings, two earned runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts, and he threw 104 pitches. So, I mean, he seems like he's he's just about at that full full workload. I mean, you think we're on our way to a, another Cy Young here? I mean, he got he got run support for a change, which is nice to see yeah, on Monday night. It really is. Uh, but DeGrom has been one of the bright spots of, of this team so far. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, he, he's pitching himself. Uh, I mean, this is this is who Jacob Degrom is. I don't think we should be surprised by his stuff, the outcomes of his games outside of his performance. Um, I mean, right now he's pitching to a, a two point one two ERA, which is right for par for for Degrom. Monday night, finally getting some offense, which is something that he does not get treated to on a regular basis, and it is criminal. Um, yeah, this guy, I think, it, at his last start, during his last start, there was a graphic on SNY where in outings in which DeGrom gives up two runs or less, I believe he has a losing record, and the Mets as a team, as an organization, have a losing record when DeGrom gives up two runs or less, which is completely backwards, but right for par for the luck that DeGrom pitches to and how this team just fails to rally around DeGrom when he's pitching. Uh, it, it feels like it's a, mental, it's a mental problem with this team. I think they feel that they can take a step back and take, maybe take the foot off the gas when the ground pitches and know that they only really need to score two or three runs and they have a very good likelihood of winning the ball game, but they just, they're not able to put those runs across the plate. So it's, it's, it's nice to see DeGrom get some runs. I was, I was kind of, uh, I was curious to how he was going to perform Monday night getting these runs because he's not used to sitting that long. Um, And I don't know if he'd, if he'd have his, his good stuff coming back from, from, sitting as his team scored um what was it they scored through uh four runs in the third and he sat for a while and that was actually the ending in which Soroka looked to have potentially tore his Achilles I don't know if he happened to see that replay but it did not look good and so uh with Soroka leaving the game the Braves were able to bring in a reliever and he had he was able to get all the time he needed to get warm so DeGrom sat a little bit longer than normal um but he came out firing and ended up getting the win on Monday night so what's also impressive though is his ability he's been hitting 101 on a consistent basis on the radar gun which he's uh I believe he's pitching 
well above his average in terms of uh, velocity for his fastball this season, which is, I mean, it's, it's impressive. Absolutely impressive. When DeGrom was his prospect in the system, like, he wasn't, like, a super highly touted prospect. I mean, did we ever think that he would be throwing, one, throwing 101 and being, like, a, a top-of-the-rotation type arm? Like, I just, I can't believe, like, where we've come with DeGrom. No, it's, it's really been, uh, he, he wasn't charted for this, especially coming off Tommy John surgery. And uh, I think he's just, he's been able to really fine-tune his mechanics. I mean, you can't hit 101 without really being in tune with your body, really firing in all cylinders from a mechanic standpoint. So I think the work that he put in with Dan Worthen is really, has really paid dividends, uh, not just the last couple of years, but certainly this year and, and moving forward. I mean, this guy is the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we, we've seen some of the comparisons between DeGrom and um, uh, Jesus What's his name over in New York for the Yankees? Derek, Derek um, Cole. Cole. Jesus. He doesn't even, <laughs> honestly, to me, he doesn't even belong in the same conversation as DeGrom. But, um, I mean, Garrett Cole has not proved anything in New York yet. So Correct. It's one of the but hottest takes out there right now. As much as much disrespect as the Mets get, like more often than not, I mean, the one thing we have going for us is we've got, in our eyes, the best pitcher in baseball. And, I mean, he's... He's won the last two Cy Young, so I think it's pretty safe to say that he's been the best pitcher in baseball the past two yeah. seasons. But as the Mets, like you have to win those games that your ace is pitching. You've got to got to put up a fight. You got to give him a chance, and they haven't done that uh, up until tonight. They gave him some runs, so hopefully that that continues. I mean, we've seen this team before. They just they go through dry spells offensively, and it's it's tough to watch. I mean, I. I know me personally, like this past week, it's been tough to watch these games. It's yeah, It's been brutal um, between the lack of offensive production and the bullpen blowing games that we should have won. It's just, it hasn't been fun to watch. And then on top of everything else going on in the league, it's just, it's been tough, but hopefully they'll turn a corner here. Um, the next, uh, I just want to talk about real quick before we kind of end this second episode here, just the next one to two weeks, like what we're looking at schedule-wise. I mean... The Mets, uh, we got the a two-game set with the Nationals this week on Tuesday and Wednesday and off day on Thursday. And then we get to play the Marlins in New York. Um, hopefully they don't bring any COVID with them to New York. But um, I think the Marlins will be a good match. I mean, the Marlins are, are hurting right now. I think it's it's really not even known who came down with it. It sounds like Sandy Alcantara had something. So he's probably out. So, I mean, there's a good chance that we're facing uh, uh, like some AAA type guys or some guys that they acquired off waivers. So, so the Marlins, we we actually see them. We see them at the end of this week, and then we see them in two weeks um, for a four game series. We actually see them the the last week as well. So we see the Marlins a ton this month in August here. So. For a team that's kind of unfortunately been kind of going through a rough patch here, I mean, it's actually kind of good news for the Mets to be getting to face the Marlins here. They get to face the Nationals, who might be without Steven Strasburg, who hasn't thrown yet uh, in a game. He's been throwing some bullpen sessions, but he's got that nerve problem in his hand, which could be a lingering thing for the season. So they get the Nationals, and we might see the return of Juan Soto in that series. He hasn't played yet as well because he had COVID. Um, 
and then we might, and then we they get the Phillies, um, the weekend of the fourteenth. We might see a, a Zach Wheeler reunion there, which is going to be tough to watch as a Mets fan. I was a huge Zach Wheeler fan, and Zach Wheeler did have his child. Congrats to uh, the Wheeler family, and he decided he decided that he is still going to play, which is awesome to see. Uh, he's had a nice little break though because the Phillies haven't been playing, so that kind of worked out. But um, and then we get the Yankees at the end of the month. But overall, I mean, do you think this this could be a good uh, couple of weeks stretch of baseball here? I mean, they're playing some, they have some favorable matchups. They do. Um, uh, with how they played um, as of late, uh, Monday night excluded. Uh, uh, We'll see. I, I I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this team going forward, even with those games against the Marlins and the potential to place potential to play against some uh, quad A type players. The Marlins have always historically played the, the Mets really tough, so I, I don't I, I don't think it matters who they put on the field. Uh, I think as long as they're wearing the Marlins uniform, they're gonna they're gonna put up a fight against us uh, our Mets. So. Coming into the season, I, I think we had the toughest schedule on paper. Um, so, and with the way they've been playing, uh, I think we'd be lucky maybe to, to, to come out of the next couple of weeks at 500. So, I'm going to ask your opinion. Do you think that we will be playing baseball by the. So, we play the Yankees on August 28th, that weekend series. Do you think that we are going to get there? That's good. That's a good question, man. Um, I think I think it's a coin flip. I, I, I don't. I can't say that we're definitely going to get there, given what's taken place over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I I hope we do, and I hope the entire league is able to to stay as healthy as can be, so we can complete this season. But I don't have a whole lot of confidence that we see the end of August with uh, yeah. baseball being played. I am also, I'm a little concerned with there is a series with the Marlins uh, beginning August 17th, um, the middle of the week four game series. It's in Miami. There hasn't been any baseball in Miami yet. And Miami, um, Miami is a huge hotspot right now for COVID. So it's definitely concerning to send our team traveling, whether it be mm-hmm. by plane or by bus. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely concerning. Uh, considering there hasn't been any baseball in Miami and obviously everything that just happened with them. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if MLB decided to move those games from Miami and play them in in New York. If Um, you're the, if you're the Marlins at that point, if that happens, like if that continues to happen, like why play? Like you're playing on the road the whole season. Your whole team isn't even fully intact. Like why play? Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. Uh, I think they they can name a, a a variety of different reasons why they should they would want to play and why they they should play. But uh, I I think for the safety of not just the players involved but the personnel around the game around the league, uh, we're talking hotel staff, uh, airline staff, and everyone that really comes into contact with a major league ball club. It, it may be prudent to move these games away from these hotspots. So, yeah. and the thought of us doing like a bubble in Florida or Arizona, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that as an option at this point. I know everybody's thinking like, Oh, well, let's, if everybody's getting infected by this pandemic here, like, let's just do the bubble. Let's do what the NBA has been doing. But at this point it's, we've come too far. It's, it's, it's impossible to do that now. Logistically, it would just be a nightmare, I think. Yeah. So we just kind of got a, 
roll with the uh, with the cards that we've been dealt here, and hopefully it works out, and hopefully we can uh, get through this month of baseball. We're gonna take it uh, day by day here, and like I said, hopefully hopefully everything works out. And um, yeah, it's just been a wild two weeks already. Uh, it feels like a month, but it's only been two weeks. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> But uh, I think that kind of wraps up episode number two here. Uh, we were very eager to get on and talk about the Cespedes situation and just the outlook of the team through the first two weeks here. But uh, like I said, I think that kind of wraps this up. Um, give us a follow on um, on Twitter and Instagram at MetsBBCarnival. We are the Mets Baseball Carnival. You can follow myself um, at BraxZ. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joseph Fesco. And you can follow us on, we're on Apple now, which took long enough. We're on Spotify. We're on Anchor. We're pretty much, we're on Google. We're on pretty much all the major uh, streaming platforms for podcasts. So listen to us wherever. If you can give us a, uh, if you could subscribe, give us a like, give us a review, whatever you feel like doing, we would appreciate it. We're still kind of new to this whole thing. But we appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you guys soon.